to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood interviewing choreographer and principal character dancer Val Canaparoli. This interview was conducted on March 12, 2017, before a performance of an all-balancing program featuring Stravinsky Violin Concerto, Prodigal Son, and Diamonds. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. And now I'm just delighted to have this opportunity to be with my very dear friend, and I won't, I won't say my old, old, old friend. Really, really old friend. <laughs> I was going to say long-time <laughs> friend. Um, principal character dancer and um, choreographer and lots of other things, Val Canaparoli. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We are um, privileged to have you with us today because I believe you're actually performing this afternoon. Well, hopefully you won't recognize me. I look a little bit like Moses on stage, but uh, in Prodigal Son, I'll be playing the, the father today for you. So, I, yeah, so you must have a magic makeup job or, <laughs> or I guess realistically you have a bit of time before that takes place. Yeah, well, it's funny because I'm used to doing character roles and older roles, and the older I get... I sit in the makeup table, and they go, I think we have to make you look a little younger now, which is like, it's, it's come to that. I'm like, no, no. Most of you, I'm sure, are longtime patrons. For those of you, and I hope there are some of you, who are newer to attending San Francisco Ballet, um, let's do a, like an elevator speech, down and dirty, of your history with the company. You are one of, I think, three members of the institution who go way, 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 way way back. back. So Um, early 70s. Yeah, 70s. I I came here, and I'll I'll be really brief. Somebody probably heard this many times, but I started really late, went to college, studied music, theater, you name it, I studied it, Um, and took a master class in the theater department, uh, traveling, a company came in, and I just took a ballet class, never took them before, and the, the instructor said, wow, you have talent. How long have you studied? And I went, this is my first class. And she said, well, you should think about, you know, future in ballet training. I was like, well, what is that? But anyway, uh, much to my parents hated it. I dropped out of college, came to San Francisco Ballet, lied to the San Francisco Ballet School, said I was 16, got, got a Ford Foundation scholarship, one of the last of its kind at the time. And within a year and a half, I was brought into the company. So I've really, I've just signed my 44th straight contract, which is a... So so it was, um, I think my being naive kept me going. I always thought I was better than I was. So I convinced so many teachers and choreographers and you know, from from Helgi even to Michael Smith to Lou Christensen, that I was great. So they believed me, I think. But I don't know. I if I think back now, I would go, oh Lord. <laughs> but but by being naive, it really saved me in many ways. Sorry, my back's to some of you. Um, but um, started with character roles. Really, that's that's really what got me in the door of because uh, uh, that's what I did. That was my major. Uh, it was theater and music. And so it just was a natural. So many of the roles that I started doing when I was in my early 20s, I'm still doing, which is odd. <laughs> I know. That's why I said I got to have younger makeup now. Um, 
But what was amazing is starting to get my confidence in the training as I went along. I got to do some amazing roles aside from character roles and some in, in balancing roles that I thought I would never, ever get to do. Uh, case in point was uh, Concerto Broco. I did the lead in that with, I don't know how many of you date back in the 70s that have come to the San Francisco Ballet, but I danced with Linda Meyer, who was the prima ballerina of the time, um, which, and also uh, Diana Weber did the same role with her. And then Serenade, I got the Waltz Boy, danced with Anita Pachotti, like, that was heaven right there. And um, uh, a lot of the core roles, I danced uh, Lego Brilliant to Stars and Stripes. Uh, so I got some great, the best role though was by default. Cause again, I never thought I was a balancing dancer with the feet and the legs and such. Uh, I don't know if you know Four Temperaments, the first theme, Francie Russell, who uh, was the co-director with Kent Stoll of Pacific Northwest Ballet, staged most of our balancing back then. And she cast, it was cast before she got here. I was cast in that first theme. I don't know if you know, the first thing you see is legs and feet pointed and flex and this. And I remember Francie going, oh, no, I don't think that's going to work. Because uh, <laughs> it's I like a little bit, not quite pointed, not straight, straight legs. And so... She went, I think I'll put you in Melancholic instead. I went, yes, that's the best role. I got to do Melancholic. And because she because didn't of like my feet your tondu. <laughs> because I couldn't, yeah. But that was a major role for me, to be able to, to do those roles. Uh, well, like and for a, an abstract neoclassic work like For Temperance is always advertised. Right. Melancholic has... Uh, it's dramatic, yes. It's a place for um, an actor, exactly. But it just... Uh, That's a great story. I know, I know. I got it because I couldn't point my feet and straighten my legs. So it's like, <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I want to say another classic, classic role that I remember very vividly. And you were talking about getting to dance with that earlier generation of ballerinas. Um, another ballerina besides Anita, who is still here, mm-hmm. is Betsy Erickson. Right, right. Working as a ballet mistress. Um, the uh, Vivaldi, which was the last work choreographed by Lou Christensen. Right. And you did that great pas de deux with Betsy. Did, did it quite often and also uh, danced it, uh, not with Betsy, I don't think, but at Kennedy Center. I'm not sure who, oh, Kathleen Mitchell. But yeah, but I opened it here with Betsy Erickson. And uh, we've worked together in some other roles too, but yeah, Vivaldi. And it's very reminiscent balancing the fast footwork and the speedy turns and the partnering and such um every once in a while i do coach that it was done in the school the pot of death, so i got to coach that at one point like three or four years ago but so yeah so i was reminiscing that i can't ever remember a time when you weren't doing acting parts um and of course you sort of come at this as an actor accidentally as a dancer um the other thing we were joking about is how many fathers you have portrayed, to which he replied. Uh, well, I played, but I also played mothers, too, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I have. Yes. So, so it just, you know, let's just do a real quick litany. You've done oh, um, Lord Capulet. Lord Capulet in two different versions here, the Michael Smeon and the Helgi Thomason. Mm-hmm. Um, 
gosh, it goes on. Well, we were talking about mothers, La Female Gardet. Female Gardet, yeah. But I also did the father, too, in that, so I have a little bit identity crisis here. (laughs) Um, Um, And you have created great dramatic roles, and I'm thinking um, specifically of one of your more recent works, the Ibsen. Oh, as far as choreographic. Yeah, oh, I lean towards that a lot. There's mm -hmm. always an undertone of something from a piece of literature or quotes or something that really motivate my work. Mm -hmm. And Ibsen's House was one of them. It started um, uh, that working with ACT with Carrie Perloff on A Doll's House, and that's what sparked... I choreographed the Tarantella in that production. Mm -hmm. And that sort of sparked that whole thing of using uh, Ibsen's uh, period of plays where he wrote about uh, challenging... The, the roles of women in society at the time. So I picked five plays and five, five women in those plays and sort of put them in together. But yeah, it, it, I love using that. It's, you know. If you were to perform one of those, of the five men who would dance with those five women, which one would you one re- gravitate technical. to? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I'm not sure. That's, that's a big question. Maybe uh, ghosts would love to do that. It's the most dramatic, I think. Let's um, focus, uh, spiral ourselves back to mm-hmm. Balanching because today's program is, I just think it's the best. It's the best combination of works taken from different s- times in Balanching's history right. and different ti- ways in which he responded to music. Mm-hmm. Prodigal Son is the first. Mm-hmm. It came... Uh, in 1929, which is, it was one of which is still. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you look at it today and you feel like it was choreographed yesterday. Right. It, I think it still yeah. resonates. And I wonder if you would, um, as a storyteller and as an actor of stories, talk about how successful. Why, well, not how, but why we think that Balanchine was so successful at telling that story. Well, it's it's because uh, you don't. Uh, he's not known for telling stories. I mean, but. This, he really, really nailed this. And I don't know, maybe there's an understanding in his mind that it really resonated with him. I mean, I can't second guess that. But it just was brilliantly, I mean, with the music, with the... I think he was also a collaborator as well, which I love. I mean, he collaborated musically as well as with the designer, uh, Ruol. And it just all fell into place. I mean... I think they all listen to each other, and they, I think that's part of it, is uh, collaborating with all aspects of your collaborators, anyone that's working on it. And I truly feel he probably did that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the father alone, um, you're, on, you're not on very much, but it's so important. Um, and even being coached by Helgi, Helgi on it. And just, you know, you just can't take these roles lightly, especially that one. It's uh, stillness sometimes is the hardest thing to do on stage. And uh, this role as well as the role I do in the other program with Salome, there's a lot of stillness and just... That is some of the hardest things to do and remember where to be. It's easier to, you know, to choreograph and remember that and remember all those physicalities and stuff. But sometimes mentally and just, again, sometimes the stillness of movement is the most difficult to do. And the absolute economy of gesture... Because I'm thinking 
again, of Capulet and mm-hmm. that you tend to flail or you have to flail around. You're in a fight with right. your daughter and yeah. you're in a ballroom scene doing all that dancing. And, <laughs> and all, each Juliet does it a little yeah. bit differently. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some and are more aggressive yeah. than the others in that scene. That, right. But, yeah. So contrasting with this one in which, as you say, stillness. Right. And... Um, you will, of course, read your program notes, but uh, this is the the very quintessential prodigal son story taken from the um, the Gospel of St. Luke in the Bible, and there are characters that he has he has eliminated there 's a fairly important character for those of you who know this story. Um, the older brother is not in the ballet. But Balanchine distilled the essence, the message. And the father's forgiveness of the son is absolutely at the heart of the, the end of the story. And you get to just stand there and not move. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> the forgiving. hardest thing to do. That ending is so hard. Because, again, you end up, he climbs up you and he carries, you know, the father carries him back into the house. That is not easy, you know, standing there and having that. But... Yeah, it's it's interesting on because um, I've done this role many times and it's been staged differently different times depending on the stager and what the, what they say and how they coach it. It's not always the same, um, uh, so it's sometimes it's difficult. You have to like stay within the time of it's being staged now. And uh, case in point, uh, um, when you're used to doing a role a certain way, and over the years it. it some you know you're, you're coached again it's it's difficult but in the case of something like the nutcracker um uh Drosselmeyer, which i've done since i've been here uh probably three versions of Drosselmeyer. and when you're used to doing Drosselmeyer for 10 15 years the same way it was so hard for me to shift to a different version of helgi's it took me three years just to get it into my I had to concentrate so hard before each performance of the new Nutcracker because you would automatically go into the other version. Plus, I've also choreographed three different versions across the country, and I'm like with a different Drossomar, so I still have to concentrate so hard when I do Drossomar here. And the same thing with Lord Capulet. I did it for so many years, the Michael Smeon version, and then Helgi Thomason's is a different musicality, different. It's just like you really, that's how long I've been here. I've been doing different versions <laughs> of the same roles, but it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. It's different. A question that is often asked is, how do dancers remember steps or remember choreography? And the answer is usually you put it in your muscle memory and deep in your nervous system. Right. And so what you're saying is that deep muscle memory, deep nervous system response is just shattered. Right. And I, I can, yeah, I just yeah, can't before I go on, usually I'm the biggest joker, jokester backstage, but before I go on with these roles, I got to like totally zero in. I really, cause you're also responsible for the other dancers that you react to or you partner or you've got to be for there for them. So if you sort of lose track and you do some other tangent, another version of that role and they're over there and you're over there, she's over there. It's like, you really have to concentrate, or at least I do, very much. I think that's, I may be anticipating a question someone might ask, <clears throat> and that is, 
versions, when we're talking about versions of things, um, in the symphony orchestra, you go and you hear a Beethoven symphony, and it's always going to have the same notes. It'll have a different arti artistic interpretation, but the notes are always the same. <clears throat> in ballet, well, or you go to a play, and you have a script, and so the, the words are always going to be the same. Right, right. But in a ballet, there seems to be, and maybe you can correct me or amplify on this, there is just so much more leeway throughout history for different versions. Right. Um, I, can, I can take that in terms of a choreographer. Uh, you've got the score. I studied music. I really, I can study that score. But you might have a recording that you heard first, and you assume that was following that score. Many times what you hear in these recordings, uh, commercial recordings, are liberties taken by that orchestra, and, and things are cut. Breaths are not there. Something is... It's And if you go with the live orchestra, you're used to using that tape or the pianist in the rehearsal, and then it's, wow, it's not the same. And so you have to sort of, and so it's, it works both ways on that with music, musicality and stuff. Um, as far as a dancer, yeah, it's, it's different. Different choreographers have different, you know, thoughts and such. So. Yeah, I'm just um, thinking an example, um, the Nutcracker party right. scene, since we've right. talked about that. <clears throat> in Lou's version, the party scene was a certain way. Right. They changed it in 1986, and... Um, was Helgi, Helgi did a great deal of right. um, tweaking of it, right. but they redid the party scene, and what they did was they reinstated the original, original, original Willem Christensen right. choreography right. for the party scene. However, the stager who was working with Mr. C, was Tom Rood, came up with the brilliant idea of switching part of it from left to right. <laughs> so... Yeah. Talk about <laughs> versions. So you have this old version of Willem Christensen's, but you have the dancers entering from stage left instead of stage right, and then doing the same steps. <laughs> right. It, and again, the dancers hate that, <laughs> of course. Um, but it's, it's part of what you do. It's what we've, we learn mm -hmm. from such an age uh, in classes, uh, picking up things quickly. Um, that's part of uh, what we do. I mean, changing and reversing. And, and so a lot of us, not me quite so much, but a lot of the dancers that were trained very young were really are trained to pick up things quickly and to change at a whim and a choreographer. Let's change this. I didn't like that. Let's do this instead. So you, you get used to it. You really do. It's part of your job, actually. Just about ready to invite the audience to ask questions, but I was going to come back to the father in Prodigal Son. And you mentioned um, having slightly different versions. I know that Balanchine works are um, copyrighted. Right. And only um, authorized members of the Balanchine Trust can stage them. And yet there are differences. There are differences. So, They're very subtle, yeah. but it's subtle enough that it makes a difference. And... You know, I'm not from that, you know, the, the Balanchine Trust. I'm not from a Balanchine company. I'm not from that kind of... So I don't know. It's, but I think it's not alone. If different, I have stagers that stage my work all over the world that stage the same ballet. 
and they might have a different interpretation of it, and it's quite valid. Um, you know, you just, it's, plus I think part of it also is the different generations of the ballerinas or the dancers that worked in, in, in New York City Ballet. Balanchine, tell me if I'm wrong, would tweak his ballets all the way up to his death. So there were changes along the way. So depending on what era you were from and if you're from that staging, I think that that has a great deal of how they do come and stage that work is how recent or, you know, I think. I mean, I'm just guessing. But I know he, he, he did. He did keep working on his works, I think, up until his death, even his masterpieces. And that would explain why you learned one version of the father many years ago and then on who stages a slight as you say nuance it's it's usually slight it's not different steps it's just timing or uh the attack uh or your head is your arm or it's it's so slight always but again dancers are used to that they're used to pick up quickly For those of you who came in after we started, I've been in conversation with Val Canaparoli, who will be performing this afternoon as the father in Prodigal Son. Um, I better do it right for you guys. (laughs) You will be looking for the stillness. (laughs) Um, So let's entertain some questions. Um, Oh, lots of hands have popped up. Let's start over here. Oh, boy. Um, the question is, can you tell us a little bit about what to expect in Salome, which the subscribers will be seeing next Sunday? Um, well, without giving much away, uh, expect the unexpected. Um, you'll, you'll be in for quite a ride. It's something like you've not seen us do before. Uh, it's quite exciting. You'll see me be still again. <laughs> In a different way. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, there's. Uh, Arthur Peter has a great mind. He's, he's, he just works differently. And yeah, it's expect the unexpected. Um, let's go over to this side now. Yeah. You have to name a favorite oh, role. Oh, that's hard. I, w- I would say melan- melancholic. Number one, uh, oh, it's been a lot. I, wow. <laughs> Other than that, I can't think of, because I, I mentioned it before, because my mind is on that. But yeah, uh, that's a hard one. Other than that. That's always a trick question. I know, question. I I've... know. It's like, I, it's like when I get asked, what's the favorite ballet you've ever choreographed? I go, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, how about, yes. Do you still take class? You know what? I always hated class. <laughs> um, I, it's so weird because this is the profession I landed in. And no, not much. <laughs> I warm up properly. Um, I work out a lot. Um, but no, not, not per se. I mean, no. <laughs> I, I get asked if... Um, Wherever I go, would, uh, we would like you to teach class. I go, no, I don't want to teach class. I, you know, I, I just, it just, I don't know what it is. I just hate it. 
<laughs> full yeah, disclosure. It's just, it's, it's just, to me, it's too myth. I just want to get on with it, whether I'm ready or not. It's just, this is my personality with that. But it's just that slowness, stillness. I know a lot of the dancers, when I used to take class, because I'd kind of come in late a lot, way too much, and I'd stand, and, and they would all go, no, don't stand next to me, because I'd be joking around a lot. So, like, it's like, no, go away, because <laughs> they want to concentrate, and I wanted to joke around. So, <laughs> Let's go over here. Somebody, yeah. Are you working on a new work? Yeah, I've got, I'm booked for, like, up to three years, working on a lot. Um What's happening coming up is a new work for Ballet West, which is, uh, they've opened a new building, a theater in Salt Lake City. So it's a, it's a, a festival of, of companies coming in, and I have a new work going on. It's to uh, uh, composer Lou Harrison, uh, Concerto for Pipa and String Orchestra, which is my third piece I've done of Lou Harrison's. Uh, in Kansas City Ballet is doing my The Lottery, Shirley Jackson's short story, which uh, is starting to make arounds. So who is staging that? Did you stage uh, Mikey Mignosa, she, uh, one of my assistants. Um, uh, it's, gosh, Lady of the Camellias just was with Hong Kong Ballet and soon to be in a company that I can't mention right now because they haven't announced it yet, but it's big for me. Um, so yeah, there there's a lot of things coming up that I'm I'm truly excited about. So good to hear always. Uh, on this side now, let's go back there. Let's just stick with that one question. Do you ever see something in someone else's work, a dramatic expression or an idea, that inspires you to want to work with that? Well, maybe... Kind of get the question. Maybe a composer I've never heard before or seen before, and I will research that and go, oh, wow. Or... uh, an author or somebody what they used and I, I want to research. I went, well, that's interesting. I want to read more about that person. Uh, I, I know for a fact when I, I know when I really like a ballet, when I like what a carver's done is when I go, darn, I wish I'd done that. I mean, that's, that's, but rarely, you know, steps or concepts or something like that, but the seed of it where, where they, they got, you know, where they heard the composer or an uh, author, you know, they had not heard of before or, you know, that sort of thing. But not so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Way over here now. What would you recommend to well, beginner dancers? More this is a young dancer yeah. asking the question. For, I'm sorry, recommend to a beginner dancer for... For training? For training or for... Oh. For what? To focus on. Oh, to focus on. Oh. I think you, because I, I wasn't that age. <laughs> um, making sure you're getting good training as early as possible and um, 
being as consistent as possible and seeing as much as you can see. Lots of different kinds of dance and theater and performing experiences. The circus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, lip, really, the lip is on her stallions. Yeah. Um, so not just, yeah. not just ballet. Really spread your wings. Because as a dancer now, you're required to know so many different genres. I mean, to be from ballroom to modern to jazz to tap to... I mean, as much as you can, you really, really study. Study, as much, like Mary said, as much as you can. And, and see as much as you yes. can. Just be exposed. Okay. That would be my advice. Good question, though. Yeah. I'm afraid we have run out of our time, and we usually get loud noises from the back if we don't stop right on time. <laughs> so I'm going to just... Um, Remind us all that uh, this afternoon's performance of the three balancing works um, is going to be fantastic. And I really appreciate, Val, you're giving us your time when we know that you have to rush back and age yourself several hundred years. <laughs> or make years. myself look younger, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. <laughs> but uh, I want you all to enjoy the performance. And again, Thank thanks, Thank Val. Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts, educational programming, or other information, please check out sfballet.org.